morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Alex, and I have the, uh, the, the privilege of preaching God's Word here this morning and uh, on this Easter Sunday. So it's good to see all of you. It's really exciting that we're going to be, uh, we just dedicated one baby, and now we're going to be uh, doing baptisms here in just a few minutes, which is really, really exciting. It's why our church exists, so that people would meet Jesus and then continue in their relationship with him. And so it is a, it is a really, really great day. Um, this past week, I celebrated uh, meeting Jesus uh, 21 years ago, and I'm still crazy about him. And I was telling some of my friends this morning, going, I can't believe, like the older I get, I'm 30. And the older I get, every Easter I kind of go, I think I'm getting crazier. I actually believe this message still. (laughs) That Jesus, I mean, just don't take it for granted. We believe that Jesus actually (laughs) rose from the dead. And that sounds crazy. But it's true. So it's a really great day to be uh, opening God's word with you this morning. So uh, if you are a Christian, may God's blessing be on you, brothers and sisters. And if you're not a Christian and you're here today, uh, I'm here to attempt to convert you to following Jesus. Like, <laughs> like so that's, that's my job today. And um, uh, no, no. <laughs> Should just stick to the script, but um, but it's very true. I know that's not what we're supposed to say in Seattle, but uh, let's just do it. I mean, after all, we are here in church, and we actually think Jesus rose from the dead. So, yeah, if you're not a Christian, I'd like for you to become one today. So, don't leave without doing that, or um, I'll follow you to your car. All right. So, um, all right. So, all over the world today, people of every nationality, every ethnicity whether they're in a cathedral or in a hut or a living room or a church plant in an elementary school somewhere. And here today, Christians are celebrating the resurrected Lord Jesus. And it's pretty amazing that our Jesus is available to everyone, no matter who you are, where you come from, what you've done, what you look like, your socioeconomic background, your political affiliations, or whatever else comes with how we define ourselves as humans. First and foremost, here's your number one identity. You're made in the image of God, and Jesus came to redeem you, and that's great news. And so this is very old news. It's 2,000 years old, and we're still celebrating our great God and Savior, our Lord Jesus. So it's an old holiday, and it's a wonderful holiday. It's the ultimate holy day. This weekend for Christians, on Good Friday, we remember the death of Jesus in which he paid the penalty for our sins as he suffered on the cross. If you ask a Christian, what's the gospel? And they say, Jesus died for me. That's not entirely true. That's not good news. Like, yeah, Jesus died for me. Well, if you don't mention the resurrection, he's still dead, and that's terrible news. See? Look how Paul says it in in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at what he says. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Why would Paul say your faith, this is pitiful? Well, here's a few reasons. One, you're worshiping somebody who duped you. (laughs) Um, For the idea for Jesus to just be a good teacher, 
Um, he actually wouldn't even be a good teacher if he didn't raise from the dead. Here's why. Who comes on the scene and says, hail me as king. Give me your life, your time, your money, your allegiance, everything about your life I lay claim to you and then doesn't rise from the dead. He's just another teacher. And we'd have to say that's not even a good teacher because that would be a lie. Paul's saying we are a pitiful lot if Jesus isn't raised from the dead. Now, we're celebrating today, as you see on, on our stage here, our king is risen. And so I want to just take a couple minutes and talk to you very specifically about what this means to have Jesus raised from the dead. And I know in a room like this today, there are some here that don't actually believe that Jesus is raised from the dead, that Jesus, that, that you'd be more inclined to be more naturalistic in your thinking, that, that there are claims and arguments against the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to go, I don't buy it on these reasons. And for some of you Christians in here, you go, well, what could the reasons be? Well, here's some, some options available to you. You see, you got to do something with Jesus at the end of the day. There's a lot of good teachers that have come and gone, but this claim that he's raised from the dead, you have to do something with him. It's 2017 AD for a reason. We mark our calendar around him. Nobody contests that the historical Jesus lived. Nobody. That, that argument's been long settled. However, if he's raised from the dead, well... We owe him our lives. So here's some of the explanations that would go against the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. One would be called the conspiracy theory. That is, the disciples stole the body of Jesus after he was crucified, buried, and put in a grave. The disciples stole the body. It's a conspiracy. However, that's not true because when you read the Gospels, who had it? Pilate had guards guard the grave just so that would not happen. There's another theory that says Jesus had a twin brother, <laughs> which is always interesting to me. Twin brother. The real Jesus is dead. Twin brother. Not, not, that, that's also not recorded in Scripture at all regarding Jesus's family life. And the scriptures are clear that Jesus, who is actually in Jesus's biological family. There's another theory called the swoon theory or the apparent death hypothesis. And here's what this theory says. Maybe Jesus didn't die after all on the cross. It's a, he, swung, he passed out under great pain. And then once he was laid in a cold tomb, his body survived. However, we know that's not true because we had a professional Roman executioner pronounce him as dead. His job was to put criminals to death, and he did it often. He put Jesus on a cross, nails him to the cross, kills Jesus, and then says, this man is dead. He knows what a dead person would look like. It wasn't a swoon theory. Uh, my favorite is the hallucination hypothesis that says that everyone that saw Jesus resurrected from the dead was simply hallucinating. Now, here in Seattle, we know what hallucinations are. Um, and just so you know, if you don't know, if you've never taken a hallucinogenic drug, let me tell you something. When you take hallucinogenics, not present, past, maybe I might know, um, nobody sees the same thing. You're hallucinating. 
Jesus appears to over 500 people at one time. 500 people don't hallucinate and see the same thing. So you should believe in the resurrection of Jesus because it happened. The Old Testament in Isaiah 53 prophesied that Jesus would rise from the dead. Jesus himself predicted his own resurrection. And Jesus appeared not just spiritually, as some would say, but Jesus physically rose from the grave. And here's the deal. The people that saw Jesus, the king risen, were unwilling to recant what their eyes had seen. And they were willing to go to jail, be flogged, beaten, and even lose their lives over this message. They saw it and they would not deny it. Maybe you think that the resurrection might be a myth. It's just wishful thinking. But the way the gospel writers write the letters and record the, the events, they do it so early that there's no time for a myth of this size to develop. You can't, you, you, it just doesn't work that way. You need a lot of time for a myth of this proportion to turn the Roman Empire upside down. You need some time, unless it's true, unless he's actually up from the dead. Or perhaps you need to be reminded of the fact that Jesus, after being resurrected from the dead, was worshiped by his family. What would it take for you to have to worship one of your family members as God? You would say, perhaps a resurrection. Or consider Paul's conversion. The Apostle Paul, who was known for locking up Christians, putting them in jail, even having some executed. What does the Apostle Paul do? Has a profound conversion through an eyewitness, face-to-face encounter with the resurrected Lord Jesus. You don't go from murderer to disciple. Not without a resurrection which is really great news. Or consider that when you read the Gospels, who sees Jesus first resurrected? Who reports the good news? Well, in the first century, as is very common today in many places throughout the world, a woman's testimony is not considered valid. But what do you have in the Gospels? Women see Jesus first. Women are the ones who report the good news first. And we go, wow. So in the first century, it would have been very normal to omit that detail, leave that part out. Why? Shouldn't it be Peter? Shouldn't it be James? Shouldn't it be John, one of the faithful apostles? No. Who saw it? Women. And the gospel writers were committed to telling the truth, not fabricating a story. This would have been wildly unpopular to be like, a a woman? the resurrection of the Son of God and a woman reports that first. Yes. What we even see, that is one of the Scripture's ways of elevating the status of women, especially in that context, in in that time. So they're committed to telling the truth. Now, consider this. Jesus's tomb isn't enshrined. We don't know exactly where Jesus' tomb is. Like if you watch any of the documentaries, they'll always say, what? This is where we think maybe Jesus was buried. (laughs) Well, how come we don't know? We know that Abraham was buried in Hebron 4,000 years ago. 
We know in 483 BC, Buddha died and he was cremated and his ashes are scattered in India. Uh, We know the prophet Muhammad died on June 6, the year 613, and is buried in Medina. What about Jesus? Oh, when you borrow a grave for a weekend, there's not enough time to shut up, set up a shrine. This is why when you watch the documentaries, they go, well, we think maybe he was buried here, maybe over here, maybe over here. We don't know. We don't know because he borrowed it and gave it back. By the way, if you borrow a grave, you're God. <laughs> borrowed. I borrow things all the time. I have not borrowed a grave. So look at what the scripture says, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says this, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you in which you received and which you stand and by which you're being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then the 12, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. By the way, that's how the Bible speaks about the death of a Christian after a resurrection of Jesus, we don't die, we sleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. So I'll I'll move quickly through this. Look at this. I would remind you, brothers, by the way, Christians, the gospel is something that we don't outgrow, that you don't graduate out of. There's nothing more amazing than Jesus loves me, this I know the Bible tells me so. There's not a deeper theological truth that when we think the Son of God came to the earth and died for my sins and was resurrected. If you can find something more profound in the Bible, let us know. Paul was unconvinced that this is of first importance. And look, the gospel is for Christians, not just evangelizing, though, again, we do want people to meet Jesus, But the gospel is the fuel in the tank for the ongoing faith. If Christian, here's the deal. If you're discouraged, if you find yourself at work going, I don't even, I don't share the gospel. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't. And we, right? When you're in that place, here's where you go. You don't go to try to build yourself up or pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We go back to the gospel. We're reminded of the gospel message. The gospel is the fuel in the tank for ongoing Christian encouragement. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, the good news. And look at what it says. The gospel I preached and what you received and what you stand. Look, I delivered to you this of first importance. Paul is convinced that this is the most important thing you'll ever hear. Of all the things in the Bible and all the, thing, all the news you'll hear in your life, this is the most important news you'll ever hear. First importance. And here it is. What's the most important thing, Paul? That Jesus, that Christ died for our sins. Like the question is, is why is Jesus on the cross and why did Jesus die? Jesus died for you. You see, Paul says it this way, the wages of sin is death. That is, every sin that we commit, it's like earning a wage. Only our wage at the end is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That we earned death. Why did Christ die? Why did Jesus die? He died specifically for, for, in the place of, because of, on behalf of, Jesus died for our sins. That there was wrath. There was penalty. There was judgment. There was rejection. We're talking about a holy God. We're not talking about some guy wandering around Green Lake. We're talking about God. Our sins have offended a holy God. And Jesus, in unbelievable love, died for our sins so that we don't die for our sins. Whoa. That would be the most important thing. First importance, Jesus died for our sins, not just pastor's sins, priest's sins, monk's sins. He died for our sins. If you're in this room, you need to hear it today. Jesus died for your worst day. Your worst day, not your best day, not your Easter morning best. Because you know you're doing it right now. We come in here and we look nice. Like, look, I'm telling you, Jesus died for yesterday. Jesus died for tomorrow. Jesus died for what you did when you were 16. Jesus died for what happened to you when you were eight. Jesus died for our sins. And we become the righteousness of God. <laughs> so look, Jesus died for our sins. And then it says this, and that Jesus was buried. Why is that important to know that Jesus was buried? Well, again, that Jesus didn't swoon and nobody stole his body, but Jesus was actually buried. And listen, church, you and I will probably attend a lot of funerals throughout our lives. And there is not one ounce of the human experience that Jesus cannot identify with, even death. Part of the good news is that Jesus was buried. And you know what he left in the grave? Was your sin. My sin. He became sin for us. So in his becoming sin, he was buried. You hear that? Your sin is buried. Before God Almighty, your sin is buried. So Jesus was buried. And then, here we go. Best news. <laughs> and then he was raised. Holy cow, there we go. <laughs> Jesus was raised from the dead. This is why you should serve him and follow him and worship him and give to him and show up and, and, and do and live the Christian life. Look, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, roll your eyes at him and move along. But if he's raised from the dead, give him your life. He's laid claim on you. He's laid a claim on your life. Nobody is like Jesus. Absolutely raised from the dead. And this is why Christians celebrate every single Sunday. He was raised on a Sunday, and this is why we worship him every single Sunday. Because we want to stay reminded of it. 
And then Paul tells us over in, in, in Colossians 1 that Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? Well, when you're the firstborn, that means there's others coming behind you. So when Jesus was the firstborn of the dead, meaning his resurrection, the first one to get up from the dead, what does that mean? Well, all of his brothers and sisters are coming behind him. That you're going to be resurrected, and I'll be resurrected exactly as Jesus was. You see, resurrection means to die and to be, to come alive and to remain so forever. It's not resuscitation. It's not revivification. It's not reincarnation. It's resurrection. And that's for you and every other saint that places their faith in Jesus. So he's the firstborn from the dead. So Jesus defeats the grave. Jesus defeats our sin. And this is why we worship a conquering king who is risen. No one's been like Jesus. Good works, yes. Philanthropy, yes. Insightful teaching, you bet. Conquering a grave, only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. This is where Paul comes up with things like, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does that mean? If I'm living, I'm living for Jesus. He resurrected from the dead. Oh, if I die, great. I get Jesus. What do you do with a man like that? He's given up. He's laid down his life. Me to live as Christ, I'm living for Jesus. If I'm breathing, if I'm walking, if I'm riding my bike, if I'm going to the coffee shop, if I'm going to work, if I'm hanging out on my couch, whatever I'm doing, I'm living for Jesus. For me to live, it's Jesus. To die, I get Jesus. So, Jesus said several things that sets him apart from everyone else in the world. And I just want to read you these statements from John's gospel that makes him so exclusive, so perfect, so unbelievable. Look at this. John 6, 48, Jesus says this. I'm the bread of life. Meaning this, your soul is starving and Jesus fills that hunger. I'm the bread of life. Eat. John 8, 12, Jesus says this, I'm the light of the world. Not a light, I'm the light. I am the light of the world. That is, we live in constant darkness and Jesus says, but I'm the light. Come close to me. John 10, verse nine says this. Jesus says, I am the door. Not I open a door or point to a door I'm the door. I'm the door. I am the door into heaven. Jesus is saying, this is it. I'm the door. John, six, uh, John 10, verse 11, look what it says. I'm the good shepherd. Meaning you need a leader. You need someone to protect you, someone to care for you, someone to guide you, someone to be there, someone who will lay down his life for you. Jesus is the good shepherd not the one that beats the sheep or abandons the sheep or hurts the sheep or talks down to the sheep or shames the sheep. Jesus is a good shepherd. John 14, 6, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man goes to the Father except through me. Not a way, not a lowercase t truth. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Jesus says in John 15, 1, I'm the vine. Meaning that as you abide in him, you experience real life as he flows into yours. Lastly, John 11, listen to what Jesus says. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. I'm the resurrection. Friends, when Jesus says to believe, he's not asking for a cognitive mental ascending to a few facts. He's saying, give me your life. Not a weekend routine of going to church every once in a while. He's saying, give me your life. I'll give you mine. So brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus, our King, is risen. He has conquered the grave. He has conquered your sin. He has conquered your shame. He is the Lord of all your bad days and wants you anyway. And he's not going to give up on you. And he's not going to quit on you. And he delights in you. You are the apple of his eye. And that's the truth. And that's why we all have these goofy grins on our face today. All right. So with that being said, I want to pray. And then we're going to observe two sacraments in the church. The two sacraments Jesus gave us are baptism and communion, which is going to be great. So first, communion. Let me explain this. Communion is for Christians who follow Jesus. So the broken bread and the poured wine represents his broken body and his shed blood, that Jesus died for our sins and that he was raised for our justification. If you follow Jesus, come receive communion with us today. And so if our communion servers will go ahead and take their places, That'd be great. Um, And then additionally, uh, we're going to observe baptism, which is a picture of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And so when you see people go into the water and come out, that is precisely what you're going to see today is a picture of what we're celebrating as Christians here at Easter. So let me pray for us. And then uh, we will come and receive communion whenever you're ready. Father, we love you and thank you for the good news of Jesus and the gospel. Thank you that our sins are forgiven. Thank you that our righteousness is in you. And God, I do ask for my friends here that that know you and love you and follow you. Would you encourage the church today? Thank you, Jesus, for being a great God and King and Savior. We worship you as our God. God, I pray for my friends here that may not know you. I pray that they would come to know you today and place their faith in you. Jesus, we love you. We pray all these things in your strong and resurrected name. Amen.